God has done what no one else could do and what probably very few people would do. He sent his only begotten son to die for our sins, that we might have a right to the tree of life. This God is worthy of the totality of our lives. We truly adore him. If you've been with us for the past few weeks, you know that we're in our series within the Exodus series titled Family Formation. We started a couple of weeks ago and we were seeing how the Lord has given rules to his people so that they might be the people of God. And we saw in the first week that the Lord's people treat all people differently than the world does. There's no partiality. Last week, we saw that God's people are in reconciling relationships. We're people who repent of our wrongs, and we're people who forgive those who have wronged us. This week, we're going to see that God's people have a conduct that reflects the character of their creator. And we're going to be in Exodus looking at chapter 22, starting at verse 16 and working our way down to chapter 23, verse 9. Before we dive into the word, I ask that you would pray for me and pray with me. Father, we humbly come before your throne of grace, knowing that you are a gracious and merciful God, a God who chooses to use people to speak to and through, to share your truth, to sing your praises. And so, Lord, we're not here because we want to be entertained. We're not here because we expect a man to share something that's life-changing. We're here because you are faithful, you are good, and you take great care of your people. So, Lord, do what only you can. Meet us at the point of our need. Build us up in the faith. Use us for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Exodus 22, starting at verse 16. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. Whoever sacrifices to any god other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them, and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. And what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. 
You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beast in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many to do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit siding with the many so as to pervert justice. Nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. You shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. This is the word of the Lord. The word of God is good all by itself. As we prepare to dive into this passage to understand the significance of these rules that God gives to his people, I first want to go back to Exodus and refresh our memories on the reason that the Lord gave his people these rules in the first place. So I won't unpack it the same way I did in week one, but I just want to read a little bit over Exodus 19 verses 3 through 6 and remind us why God gave his people these rules. And then we'll look at the significance of the rules that we have just read over. The Lord called to him, him being Moses, out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possessions among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So the Lord lets his people know, his people who he has redeemed, rescued from slavery, and now have brought them to the mountain of God, that if you do what I have said, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be a treasured possession. You will be in right relationship with me. But again, just so that we're clear, this is a God who has already rescued his people. So he's not saying, do this so that you might perform well so that I will rescue you. He's saying, I have rescued you. You are my people, and if you continue to obey my voice, you will continue to be in right relationship with me. But he didn't stop there. He said, also, if you obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The Hebrew word translated holy comes from the Hebrew word kadash, which means set apart or consecrate, but not just set apart in a corner to collect dust and tell stories about. It's to set apart for a specific use. 
It's something that has special purpose. So God is letting his people know that he is going to set them apart for a specific purpose. And we could understand what that purpose is by the Lord calling his people a kingdom of priests. He was setting them apart to be his representatives to the nations. So God is giving his people these rules for relationship and so that they might be his representatives to the nations. And now we can see how these rules will help the people of God be positioned to fulfill the purpose for which God has called them to. And these rules allow the people of God, first and foremost, to know the character of their creator. Verse 21 through 27 of Exodus chapter 22. You shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak and pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. For it is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. God is letting his people know his character. He's a compassionate God. He sees the plight of the sojourner, the widow, the fatherless, and the poor. And he says that if they cry out to me because they are being mistreated, I, a compassionate God, will hear their cry and I will meet their need. And you don't want to be on the wrong side of me meeting the needs of those who are being taken advantage of. And the Lord also reveals his character in other ways. It says in verse 8 and 9, verse 6 through 8 of chapter 23, you shall not pervert the justice due to your poor in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge. And do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall, not take, you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. The Lord is letting his people know that he is just. Do not pervert justice. And we read through some other passages. He tells his people, don't lie. Don't side with the many. If you need to be the only one standing and standing for truth, stand for truth, even if that means everybody else is going to be mad at you, because God is just. And so as we read through the rules that God gives to his people, God is revealing his character to his people. But not only does God reveal his character to his people through these rules that he gives to them, God also requires a conduct of his people that will reflect the character of their creator. Verse 31 of chapter 22, you shall be consecrated to me. The Lord is letting the people of Israel know that they shall be set apart for a special use. They shall be set apart for his purposes. This word translated consecrated comes from the same Hebrew word as holy, kadash, set apart, consecrated for a special use. So the Lord is letting his people know, you shall be my people and you shall serve my purpose. 
And God goes on to let them know that because you are my people, there's a particular conduct that's expected of you. Therefore, you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. And he goes on with all the you shall nots. And he's telling his people, you shall not behave this way. I'm requiring you to behave a certain way. And that could rub a few people wrong. I get it, because in our culture, you hear rules and you hear requirements, and people say, oh, no, I'm grown. You can't tell me what to do. And that's the five-year-old. Forget the 55-year-old. Nobody wants to be told what to do. But God is telling his people what they need to do if they're going to be in relationship with him and if they're going to be representatives of him to the other nations. You will behave a certain way. And so God is not giving his people rules, though, because he's looking to be restrictive or he's looking to be rigid. God is giving his people these rules because he's releasing them to be his representatives to the nations. And if you're going to represent the character of the creator, then there's a specific way that you need to behave. But God lets his people know these requirements are birthed out of relationship. Right? And that's why we need to remember the reason for the rules. God has already rescued his people. And he's saying, you are now my people. Think about that for a moment. He says, you will be consecrated to me. This is the creator of the universe. He needs nothing from you or me. He's self-sufficient. He's not requiring a glass of water. He doesn't need you to kill an ox because he's hungry. Right? So that the creator would choose to rescue a people who had nothing to offer, sound familiar probably to a few of us in this room, and say, now I want to use you to let other people know that I can rescue them? Well, what response do we give to our creator? I know what you did in Egypt, and I appreciate how you bore us on wings as eagles, but you're asking a little bit too much for me. See, and this is why God, you need to know that he's compassionate. Because if it was me, I'd say, well, then go back to Egypt with your ungrateful self. But God still talks to us, and he walks with us through this journey. But the Lord has requirements, and we have to understand that. We have to realize that. But the Lord graciously lets us know why he would require his people to conduct themselves a certain way. See, because if they were going to be his representatives to the nations, this set-apart people had to look different from all other people's. So we have to go to Leviticus, where the Lord gives some more shall nots, some more requirements of his people on how they are to conduct themselves in this life if they're going to reflect the character of their creator. And we can see the reason why God would give these rules and expect his people to live them out if they're going to be his representatives. Leviticus 18. I'm going to do a little bit of reading on this morning, so I hope you love the word of God. Verse 1 through 5. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God. So you can just pause right there. God, talking to Israel through Moses, is letting the people know, I am the Lord your God. Now, again, this name, Lord, this memorial name that God has given to his people is a reminder to his people that he is the all-present God who's well able to take care of their needs, right? So they're hearing, you are Yahweh, and you are my God. 
I am the Lord, your God. This is birthed out of relationship. And because we're in relationship, verse 3, you shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt where you lived. And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules and keep my statutes and walk in them. Why? Because I am the Lord your God. So the Lord signs off on the front end and on the back end. Look, I'm requiring these things of you, but not because I'm looking to control you, but because you are in relationship with me. Now, if you don't want to be in relationship with me, then you don't need to sign up for this. We're going to read a little bit in just a moment. I think you want to sign up for this. He says, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. So again, these rules, these requirements are birthed out of relationship. A loving God who rescued his people, redeemed his people, who could not take care of themselves. He answered their cry. He kept his promise. And now as they are coming to be in relationship with him and he's teaching them what it looks like to be his family, he says, I'm requiring some conduct of you that's becoming of someone who identifies with me and who I identify with. Do these things and you shall not do these things because you're my people. You're my children. And then you can read over Leviticus 18, 19, and 20, and 21, and see the Lord has several shall nots that he communicates to his people that they are to live out if they're going to live for him. And then we can fast forward to Leviticus 20 and see in verse 7 and 8 that the Lord does require this of his people, but it's a special relationship that it's birthed out of. Verse 7 and 8, Leviticus 20, consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So the Lord tells his people, I've given you these rules. Consecrate yourselves. This word consecrate is the Hebrew word kadash. So the Lord is telling his people to set yourselves apart. And then he goes on to say, and be holy. Be different then. It's the same word that the Lord communicated when he said, you are going to be a holy nation, right? A set apart people for my purposes to represent me to the nations. But the people of God had a requirement. They had to consecrate themselves. They had to set themselves apart. How, Lord, do I, someone who's feeble and frail, live in such a way that I can be holy? Well, the Lord doesn't leave us to guess. Keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. This word translated sanctifies is the Hebrew word kadash. So the Lord is saying, set yourselves apart. I am the Lord who sets you apart. How do you set us apart, Lord? I set you apart by giving you my rules. And you now set yourself apart by obeying my rules. So when you, people of God, is what the Lord is communicating to the nation of Israel, obey my word, he says, you are holy as I am holy. You will be set apart different than the other nations. You will represent me, represent me to the nations that they might see that I am God. 
and I am God alone, and that they might know his character by seeing his people's conduct. And that's what the Lord goes ahead and closes out this you shall nots in Leviticus, Leviticus 20, 22 through 26. The Lord finishes the shall nots, and after telling his people to consecrate themselves and be holy, he says, you shall therefore keep all my statutes and all my rules and do them, that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. And you shall not walk in the customs of the nation that I am driving out before you. For they did all these things, and therefore I detested them. But I have said to you, you shall inherit their land, and I will give it to you to possess a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You shall therefore separate the clean beast from the unclean and the unclean bird from the clean. You shall not make yourselves detestable by beast or by bird or by anything with which the ground crawls, which I have set apart from you to hold unclean. You shall be holy to me. For I, the Lord, am holy and have separated you from the peoples that you should be mine. So now we see this picture a little bit clearer. The Lord is saying that the people in the land of Canaan that I have promised to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, with vats filled to the brim of food that you never planted and never picked, those people that are getting ready to be removed from this land, they are being removed because they were practicing all the shall nots that I just told you to practice. And so I'm telling you that you shall not do these things because I don't want you to get vomited out of the land like they are. So don't do these things because I, the Lord, your God, want to bless you. And I want to see you in this land that I promised you, flowing with milk and honey, enjoying all the good things that I've guaranteed to you. But you have to do what I've required of you. Because if you do like they did, then you're going to get what they got. Because remember, while he's compassionate, he's also just. And he can't just ignore the sin. So if you're going to live like the Egyptians, or if you're going to live like the Canaanites, and you're going to do all those shall nots, then you too shall not be in the land that I promised you. So God gives his people these rules not to restrict them, not to be rigid, but to release them to enjoy the goodness of God and the land of the living. If you are going to be a part of the people of God, God says, I expect some conduct of you that's becoming of those who I identify with and those who identify with me. And when you behave this way, you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. So that others might see, know, and believe that there is one God and one God alone that's worthy of our devotion. God gives his people these rules. And these rules are good because they come from God. And God requires us to follow these rules if we're going to continue to be in relationship with him and if we're going to continue to represent him. And these rules... God's expectations of his people don't just end in the Old Testament. The Lord expects the same thing of his family today. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And because of his payment, we are now sons and daughters of God. We, like the nation of Israel, at one point were not a people. 
We were in slavery, but we were rescued by Christ, and now we have come to the mountain of God. And God says, as my children, this is how I expect you to conduct yourselves. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 19. Therefore, this is Peter talking to believers in the dispersion. So they're all scattered throughout. So this is to all who believe. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope on the return of our Lord and Savior. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, see, Peter likes Leviticus just like me, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father, who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Peter, talking to the family of faith, is saying, if you have come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you are to conduct yourself in a manner that's becoming of one who calls God Father. You be holy as God is holy. And he lets us know very clearly, and this is really sobering, that if we understand that the Father does not judge impartially, then we should live with fear. In other words, awareness that we can't just say, Father, I love you, but I'm not going to listen to you. No, if you love him, then as obedient children, conduct yourselves in a way that's holy. So in fear, throughout the time of your exile, because we're just sojourners, this is not home. We're citizens of glory. So while you're passing through in this life, remember that you are to conduct yourselves in a manner that reflects the character of Christ. Be holy, for your Father is holy. We must conduct ourselves in a way that reflects the character of Christ if we are going to represent Christ in this life. Now, I want to read a little bit of a lot from Ephesians because I feel like Ephesians makes it very practical on the conduct that's becoming of a Christian. And I'm going to read from chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, and then I'm going to jump over to verse 17, and I'm just going to keep reading. I'll read until chapter 5, verse 21. So if you have your Bibles, it may do you well to jump in and read along with me. And as I'm reading through this passage, what I want us to keep at the forefront of our mind is that as the family of God, Jesus 
forming us into the body of believers, that there is a conduct that the Lord requires of us. And he's not going to excuse disobedience. I'm just setting it up while you're turning to Ephesians, so I'm giving you some time. If you need to look in the table of contents, go ahead and, and look there, but I really want you to read along with me. So if you've got a device and you need to pull it up, do what you need to do, but you're going to want to read along with this because you're not going to want to take Michael's word for it. You're going to want to see the word's word for it. <clears throat> right, so if God then has saved us and reconciled us, he's requiring of us to behave a certain way. And we can't just say, forget it. And Jesus teaches that. He says, many are going to come up to me and say, Lord, Lord, look at all that I did in your name. And Jesus says, I'm going to say, get away from me, you worker of iniquity. I do not know you. So in other words, it's not going to be performance-based. It's going to be relationship-based. And God's saying, if you're in relationship with me, then you love me and you live for me. And that looks a certain way. Ephesians. Chapter 4, starting at verse 1. I therefore, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk, this means live, conduct yourselves, in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And I'm going to jump over to verse 17, but hear that thought there. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we're going to live out this family that God has called us to. And now Paul makes it very plain the conduct that's worthy of the calling to which you and I have been called. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous, and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus. To put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, because you put on the new and put off the old, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For, you, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. 
and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk, conduct yourselves in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexually, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, be sure, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has, not, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in God, in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in, un, in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Lord has requirements for our conduct. And I want to leave on a really high note. But in order to get to that note, I'm going to have to walk through something that may feel a little bit heavy. So bear with me. 
and know that the Lord loves us and he would only call us into his presence and into forgiveness because of a love that he has for us. But please, people of God, we can't play with God. He is holy. Says the seraphim, big angels of fire, that if you saw them, you would pass out. When they get into the presence of the holy, they cover their face and their feet. So that's probably why they need six wings. They need two to stay up, but they got the other four because they need to cover themselves because they are in the presence of the holy. And listen, it, it pains me, but I, I understand, but I really want us to be careful because we see God too much as our buddy, as our chum, if anybody uses the word chum anymore, as our pal. He is God. And I know that whole thought of, well, I could just let the Lord know how I feel so I can roll up on God and say, God, I'm angry with you. I'm going to need you to bring your tone down about 10 decibels. This is God. He cares about us and he wants to hear us, but we need to go into his presence with reverence. Listen, I love my kids, but if anyone comes across me sideways yelling like, Dad, I'm upset with you. Well, you want to get really upset with me, keep talking to me like that, and I'm about to have a misunderstanding with you. So if you know to reverence me, how should we go before God? He's God, and he's God alone. Recognize, respect, and go in with some humility. And when we go in, may we enter in recognizing that he's worthy of our submission. And because he is God, and he is holy, we can't just treat him any kind of way. We cannot go to God and say, yeah, but he knows my heart. Yes, he does. No, he really does. And so if you and I know that this behavior, whatever it may be, in the long list that we just read, is displeasing to God, then we can't go ahead and do that and say, but I'll ask for forgiveness later. You better tread lightly. Because God does not judge impartially. And I just, I just need us to sit in that for a moment because if we do not understand this, then we keep playing with God like we got time. Tomorrow's not promised. I know we have plans for the day, for the week, even for next year, but Jesus could come back right now. And I wouldn't be mad at it if he did. So if we understand that time is short and that God is holy, compassionate, and just, if you and I are living in disobedience to him, now is the time to repent. Don't keep holding on to the things that God says let go. Let go of anger, bitterness, malice. Let go of all that. But we don't want to continue to play with these things that God says. It's for these very reasons that the wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. And you can't say, I prayed some prayer when I was 10, but I haven't been living for God for the past 30 years, but that prayer sealed me. Uh, did you read along in Ephesians? It's not Michael. I'm just, I'm just a vessel, a bearer of great news. It's a loving God who would enter into our private spaces and say, Michael, I see you, son. Not right. You need to stop. That's grace, because the alternative would be to say, I see you. I'm just going to watch you go clean off the cliff. No, I love you too much for that, so I'm going to call you out. 
I'm going to correct you. I'm going to rebuke you. But that's out of relationship, right? So if that's what you're feeling on this morning, praise God. Thank you, Lord, for being willing to correct me and to rebuke me and to not leave me in this cesspool of sin thinking that I might sneak into glory. There's no sneaking in. We need to stand at the end of our lives like Paul did and say, I have finished my race. And there is now, therefore, a crown and glory laid up for me. It's like, Paul, how can you be certain? Because I've run for God. I've left everything behind. I've taken up my cross daily and lived for him. And that's why I wanted to read over this passage because it gets so practical. It's like, well, what does conduct that reflects the character of God look like? No crude joking. No foolishness. It's like, man, I mean, that's all right, isn't it? And I'm just going, just so that we can understand that this is not Michael speaking at you, but I'm a part of the body and need this word just as much. And the Lord had sat with me and I was corrected and rebuked this week as I was meditating on this word. And what the Lord reminded me of is, Michael, you need to remove sarcasm, cynicism from your language. You need to stop complaining. I was like, but sarcasm? I mean, you know, sometimes your sarcasm just leaves the kind of humor in that moment. And no, the Lord just made it plain. If it doesn't build up, it should not be birthed out of you. Speak that which builds up the body. And I've realized that while sarcasm makes me laugh, it oftentimes hurts the feeling of the person that I'm supposed to be laughing with. So that's not language. That's not communication that's becoming of a follower of Jesus. And this is not because, Michael, you're a pastor and you have to be careful. This is because I'm a son of God. And if that defines you, son or daughter of the king, then we need to engage with this. And as I was reading through this and you were looking like, mm, oh, I, I, I do that. Stop. Can I say that plain? Is that anybody offended? Like you would raise your hand and say it now. Well, if you are, come and talk to me later so that we can read over Ephesians a little bit more. It's love. Listen, I would love, I mean, I love to obey God. If the Lord could just say, hey, Michael, I just want you to take this fluffy pep rally kind of a speech and just, woo, give it to him and let him run out of the paper and like they're going to win the championship. I would, yes. Right, but we can't duck and dodge the word of God. So if this is not one of the, the top messages that I've ever preached and it doesn't get all the views on YouTube, whatever. I mean, as long as we walk out of here and say, you know what? I can't keep walking that way. Because I am called, listen, to be an imitator of God. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Not because you're trying to earn it, but you're his children. And you know what children do? Children copy. If you have kids, you know that for better, and sometimes you know that for worse. Because you heard your kids say something, say, where'd you? Oh, I said that. Stop doing that. I do that. Every time I go around correcting, don't you all use this against me, but every time I go around correcting my kids, I'm like, I needed that too. Yeah, and Jomar has to remind me, she's like, she rubs my shoulder when I, I get a little intense, not aggressive, but you know, I'm a passionate communicator, and so I'm, what are you doing, right, and Jomar said, remember, and every time she rubs my shoulder like that, it's like, you're right, it's the mirror, 
Like, I know because I've been there. Like, I need this word too. <clears throat> right? But kids copy. And the Lord is saying, as his children, we are to copy. Who? Copy Christ. Be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk like Jesus. Lay down your life. Don't make it about you. Follow these rules. If we live out these rules, we will represent our creator to the nations. We will be a holy people. Set apart, living different than the world, so that the world might see, hmm, like, why do you act that way? Why did you forgive that person? Why did you apologize? They didn't deserve that apology. Like, why do you speak so kindly to people? They're going to ask questions because it doesn't look like anything the world would do because they wouldn't. It's the character of Christ. And this is what God calls us to. Copy Christ. As people of God, we are to have a conduct that reflects the character of Christ. And we don't need, if you wear it, I'm not making fun of you. So should I say it? I'm going to say it. I'm not making fun of you. <clears throat> if you wear the, the WWJD bracelet to remind you, like, what would Jesus do? I understand it. But we really don't need to ask the question. We already have the answer. We need to read to understand what would Jesus do? Well, good. Read it and then do it. Right? Don't say what some people do. They read it like, mm, but that's hard. And you know what's harder? Being vomited out of the land. I know somebody's like, please do not say that word one more time. But that's a great word picture for disobedience. All right, I didn't say it, but you get the point. Right? You, sh you should not want to be vatted out of the land. Right? But how do I get to that point? Don't do what God says do. Please. Please, people of God. Don't take this lightly. Don't leave here. Don't leave here feeling like you need to tread on thin ice. But also, don't leave here playing with God. We all know where we are. And because I know we did not come here from the third heaven, I'm certain that this word encourages us in some way, but it also challenges us. And likely for many of us, it's correcting us too. Let's take it all. And let's give God praise and glory because he loves us enough not to leave us in the state that we shouldn't be in. So that then when we get before him, we hear, get away from me, instead of well done. I want to hear well done. Anybody else? You can raise your hand for that one if you want to, just so I know that you're awakened in the room. All right, so about 30% of the room. Wonderful. <clears throat> I want to hear well done. Good and faithful servant. How do you know? How can you be confident that you will hear well done? Do what he says. If you live in obedience to the rules of God, then you can rest assured with confidence that you're still the people of God. And you will not be out of the presence of God. I want to invite the praise team up. Pray this is a very 
sobering moment for us all. Before I share with you the direction that maybe some of us can go in our time of prayer, I want to give a, a loving reminder. If you are a part of the people of God, listen, this is not trying to scare you straight. This is not trying to force you in a square box when you're a round peg. This is a loving father who's teaching his children how they're to behave. Saying, because your last name is Darboos, I'm going to train you up and teach you what it means to be a part of this household so that you don't find yourself in a place where you might get kicked out. Right, so I'm teaching you because I love you. Right, so as children, we're being invited to know the character of God because he reveals that to us and he doesn't have to. And then to live that character out. Being compassionate, gracious, merciful, forgiving, loving children of God. In order to live that out, we have to be honest, there are times that we need to go before the throne of grace and say, Lord, I'm so grateful that you're a forgiving God and that I can come and repent. But because I know you're holy, I'm not going to blow you off like you're just one of my boys back on the block. No, you're God. I'm coming like Isaiah, the prophet, the mouthpiece of God who would get into the presence of God and say, I am a man of unclean lips. You're a prophet. (laughs) Yeah, but in the presence of the holy, the best I can get to clean is filthy. And so the prophet would humble himself in the presence of the holy because he recognizes this is God. And I just want to invite us this morning to come into the presence of the holy. A God who sees us where we are and loves us so much that he wouldn't say, get away from me. But he would say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Come to me, all who are broken and hurt. Come to me, the fatherless, the sojourner, the widow and the poor. And find rest for your soul. So just for a few fleeting moments... I want to invite us today to come to God, to repent of those things that we have done that cause our feet to get a little dirty. And then as we rise to pray, to be ready to praise God because we know that he cleans us and he walks with us. So whatever your posture sit, kneel, stand, lay prostrate. You and Jesus go before the throne of grace to a gracious God with repentance in our hearts, knowing that we have a God who's compassionate and forgives. And may we enjoy just a sweet exchange with our Savior. I'll close this in prayer.